All right, so let's get right into it. We're now joined by a friend of ours, Milton Alamadi, a friend of the program, certainly of the station. He's publisher of Black Star News and BurkinaStyle.com and coordinator of GorillaJournalism.co. That's GorillaJournalism.co. Milton joins us uh, Tuesdays at this time. Good morning, Milton. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Sam. Good How morning. Both of you? Oh, we're, we're, we're great on this uh, very rainy Tuesday <laughs> morning. Uh, better but than snow. It, Come it, on. It certainly is. you got to believe it. It's going to be 62 degrees, so that's all. it's all good. Milton, let's, uh, as we are tight on time today, uh, let's jump yeah. right into it. Juju journalism. What, what is yeah. that, and, and why the term juju journalism? Uh, how does it relate to, to this article that you wrote in the New York Times about uh, Joseph Coney that you, you want to talk about today? No, I didn't write the article, but they wrote it, but I want to critique uh, it. Uh, right. Uh, that, yes, yeah. the, the Times and article actually, about jo Joseph Coney. But you have written about him yeah, and others, I, I should say that, definitely. Extensively. And, in fact, since we're crunched for time, I want readers, if they get an opportunity, to search for that article itself. It's called Hunt for Joseph Coney, No Longer Seen as a Threat. That's the headline. It was published uh, uh, March 22, 2017. That article is uh, pretty preposterous, actually. And let me first explain the term. Juju journalism is what I would say back in the 60s was referred to as Mao Mao journalism. Uh, and what, uh, why do I use that term? I remember that, I believe. Yes. That is because when the British uh, wanted to, you know, spread their propaganda of what was going on in Kenya, right? When Kenya was still a British colony uh, in, the, in, the, in the 50s or that early 60s before it won independence, and uh, there was a conflict in Kenya. The issue was over land. The Kenyans were fighting over land. But the British, by exoticizing the conflict, right, mm. referred to the fighters as Mau Mau, Mau, Mau a name yes. that they did not give for themselves, and nobody even knows what the term it means, uh, up to today, mm. but it evoked something scary, and it gave the British the opportunity to then shape the narrative of what was going on, right? And that is why I borrow that term and I change it to juju journalism. Uh -huh. And that is what is still being used whenever Joseph Kahn is mentioned in any conflict. And I want readers to go and read that article, and they'll see how it's completely implausible that it can the narrative can be true as accounted in that article. And I'll just make a few very quick points because we're run, we'll run out of time. There are three different goals that are being trying to accomplish in Central and Eastern and Central Africa. And it's important for readers to know that. Number one, the U.S. actually wants military bases in Africa to spread Africa, which African countries have refused. But since the U.S. has a puppet it works with very closely in Uganda, and that is dictator Museveni, the U.S. has used Uganda to be able to station who, who even knows how many troops in Eastern Central Africa. The article claims that the U.S. has been searching for Joseph Kahn since 2006, right? The article claims, implausibly, that it has spent $780 million, right? <laughs> We're talking almost a billion dollars to search for this elusive Joseph Kahn. The article goes on to say... He now has no more than 100 fighters. Does that make sense at all? 
No, it, it does well, not. Well, that was my question, actually. It does not, and I'm, I'm glad you saw that, Pat. And yeah. there's so many issues to discover, but let me make just two quick points before we run out of time. And then, you know, let's get in a quick Q&A, yes. me and you. People should Google Invisible Children. It's a U.S. outfit, which actually works as an agent for Yoweri Museveni. Google Invisible Children and WikiLeaks, and they will find out that in 2012, I was able to expose this group as a fraud that works on behalf of the Ugandan regime as well as the U.S. military establishment, and they'll find that. So in order for the New York Times to write this article, they pretended as if that expose never occurred, which, by the way, was written about, after I did, by many other media outlets, including the Washington Post. So they have to pretend that never happened, number one. Number two. And then the most important thing, they should also Google another article, and it raises the question, why did invisible children dissolve in 2014 in the Washington Post? If they dissolved, why are they still saying they were created in 2004, and why did this New York Times article never mention that at all? So those are the two points, three or four points I want to bring out to show you that this article is completely plausible, and I will spend the rest of this week <laughs> writing another commentary that we can discuss and elaborate further, maybe next well, week. Well, let's get, let's, let me try and understand the details here, okay? Yes. Um, so last week we talked about South Sudan, which is yes. bordering on northern Uganda. And yes. uh, Kony and his Lord's Resistance Army are yes. evidently uh, somewhere in this region. I'm not, is it clear that they are Hundreds in... of miles away, in fact, more than 500 miles away, in Central Africa. Uh, so where where how does how does Kony relate and his LRA relate to this region? Aha, very interesting. Kony has been used as an excuse, a very convenient excuse, by both Museveni and now in concert by the U.S. It meets their interest. It allows Museveni to continue milking resources from the U.S. and allows the U.S. to spread. Africa, in Africa, have military bases and boots on the ground in Africa, right. which I discussed extensively in 2012, and many other media outlets did. In fact, I discussed it on WBI as well. Mm -hmm. I discussed it on Democracy Now! as well, and that video is still on YouTube. Well, <laughs> Khan well, was... Go ahead, sorry. No, you go ahead. Khan was a depleted force. In fact, Khan signed a deal with Museveni in 2006 to stop fighting and based all his fighters in neighboring Congo and disarmed in 2008. Just before Obama came into office, Museveni attacked Khan in his camps, even though he'd already disarmed. And that's how he fled from Congo all the way to Central African Republic. Ah, okay. Museveni has never wanted the elimination of Khan because that would exhaust his excuse to continue his partnership with the United States. Now, does Kony, um, and I realize that it, we're pronouncing it slightly differently, but we're talking about the same guy. Yes. Uh, the infamous... Yes, pronounced Kony in, in, in the Uganda. Right, I know. Yes. K-O-N-Y, right. Yes. Uh, does, does he actually have specific political 
objectives. It sounds as if what you're telling us is that he doesn't right. really have military objectives anymore, and he's no. more being used as the boogeyman, per se, exactly. right? Exactly. But does he have political objectives? Because it seems like, you know, he's claimed himself as a prophet. He has right. this Lord's Resistance Army. Right. Um, he has um, just been unbelievably um, brutal and right. just uh, you know, in terms of recruiting child uh, ch- child soldiers, right. in terms of maiming people, right. um, really disfiguring them. Now, does right. he actually have any political objectives, or is he... Okay, very good. I'm yeah. glad you raised that question. Ford was one of many guerrilla groups that emerged after Museveni seized power in 1986. He's been around for 31 years now. Many of the others were much more legitimate, actually had political programs, were led by people, including educated people. Ultimately, Museveni managed to crush, brutally, by the way, all the others, but somehow coins survived. Many Ugandans have always believed that he allowed the most uh, ruthless and the less threatening group to survive. They've never survived his asserting him militarily, you see? And people believe that's why he was allowed to survive. And I'm glad you brought up the issue of violence as well. The article does not mention that even though the International Criminal Court indicted uh, Joseph Coyne, the International Criminal Court also invaded Museveni, I mean, uh, investigated Museveni for crimes that his uh, army committed in the neighboring Congo mm-hmm. while it was plundering resources. But what happened was Museveni asked the U.N. to block that investigation. The Times has never written about that, but the Wall Street Journal did, wow. June, uh, June 8, 2006, and people can read that article. So, in fact, both Joseph Kahn and Yoweri Museveni are war criminals. Museveni also recruited child soldiers. Mm. He committed the same atrocities that Kahn has committed and is documented in a brilliant genocide. Yes. Another documentary that we discussed on the show that conveniently is also not mentioned in that New York Times article. That well, article mm-hmm. is almost like a press release by the Pentagon as well as uh, Invisible Children and the Ugandan regime. Milton, you're feeding rumors of fake news. No, I'm just joking. Uh, I, 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 I will never use that word. <laughs> I'm only teasing. I'm only joking. Well, but we you know, know that I, the I know, news. I know you were. I, but I'm I want making people to read a that point, article though. and make that yeah. determination. I'm making the point that we can't always trust everything that we read in Absolutely. the New York Times, and we really appreciate that you have brought yes. um, another perspective to right. to this story uh i right. do have because a lot more one more point one oh. more point and very quickly <laughs> one more point just very quickly what makes it implausible because it, it means that the u.s is admitting that as Putin army has spent 780 million dollars and failed to apprehend this one individual whose army has now depleted to 100 well, that cannot be the story the story are- is that a base uh-huh. is being built in East and Central Africa. That's the only way you can spend seven hundred and well. Next week we're dollars. going to uh, continue this. We're going to talk about specifically Museveni, I believe, um, and that's on the horizon because this isn't something that we can cover on just one show. This is something that we've been talking about for the last couple of weeks, and we will sustain that for a while so that. that our listeners can get a better sense of this incredibly um, fascinating and important and, um, you know, region that's in conflict. So thank you so much once again. Thank Milton you, Milton. I uh, appreciate thank it. You so much.
It's, oh, uh, I overextended your time. You've, that's yeah, uh, Black Star News, BurkinaStyle.com, and uh, Milton's the coordinator of GuerrillaJournalism.co. And ahead of our conversation next week, I encourage the listeners to go to uh, BlackStarNews.com and uh, check out for yourself Uganda, the dictator's wife, versus the university professor. Thanks, Milton. Thank you so much. Stay strong. Thanks a lot.